Hi, welcome to another edition of Leukemia Chatters. Uh, today we're going to be recapping on shielding and how that's been for blood cancer patients over the last four months, which I can't believe I'm saying. I don't think when we last spoke in April we were expecting it to be four months. Um, and just to introduce my fellow podcasters today, so I'm joined again by Sam. Hello. And by Taya. Hi. Thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, so yeah, last time we spoke on the podcast, it was the 16th of April. How have you been since then? <laughs> how, how has life been? Smooth or no? How's, how has things been generally? Okay, do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> We're all far too British and far too polite. <laughs> well, I've had a lovely time. I've, uh, I've achieved things that I didn't think I could achieve and I've, I've carried on. I've been very, very fortunate that the company that I work for kept us all in full-time work, full-time projects, very much working on our own autonomy and being able to start our own new projects within our own company, move to this digital platform, become experts in Zoom, Teams, Skype, WebEx, there are many more um learning the quirks of them and the the positives uh and just learning a new way of of communicating which i think is a lesson learned for for the future yeah i agree sam how has how's things been for you i've been kind of um the same with the communication side so i've been writing letters to people and oh. receiving letters from people which is just lovely because i used to love doing that when i was younger and you, we've lost that, I think, haven't we, with this yeah. digital era that we live in. Um, but it's it's just really lovely and personal. And, you know, a letter will come through the door. and It just makes you feel uplifted, I think. So mm-hmm. I've had a lot of that, sending little gifts, and people have sent me little gifts as well, um, just to perk me up on bad days. I've had a few of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had to kind of come out of shielding about six weeks ago to um help my son who has his daughter he's a key worker so I've been having her so I've kind of been a mum again to a two-year-old which has just been so weird (laughs) (laughs) so strange yeah um but my my flat is really clean (laughs) I've cleaned it to within an inch of its life so yes it's it's you know I'm more organized than I was before lockdown that's for sure I wish I could. I don't know if I'll ever say that again. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll come back to work later. Actually, it's interesting, Taylor, that you you say you kept working because I think that's one of the issues that people are worrying about right now. But Mm. just thinking back to the last time we spoke, and we did a whole comparison to isolation and hospital, and and you guys said this so far at that point, three, four weeks in, you were finding it easier than previous periods where you as blood cancer patients had to isolate in the past do you do you still think that's the case have you overall found this a positive experience I think I know what Taya's going to say <laughs> but has it been an overall experience a good experience for you guys Taya do you want to go first yeah <laughs> yeah I'm just just picking up on something Sam said about the art of communication and the art of writing or when I was a patient um I must have spent a fortune on stamps and cards I think I kept the WRBS 
shop in business by just buying cards every day. And in fact, there's one here. I've got another one to post. So I'm the same <laughs> as Sam. I write and I, I, I learned that or I relearned that skill when I was a patient. And it's just, it's your way of being able to communicate with the outside world and also offering your friends, loved ones, reassurance that you're okay. Mm. Uh, And just, it's just beautiful. As Sam said, just to receive something in the post, whether it's a card that just says, I'm thinking of you, or it's a, it's an essay on, on what you've done that day. And it's also, it's the impact that it has on the person receiving it. It's just, it's lovely to be able to just open something because it's a gift to sit down and write something. And uh, I was the same as Sam. I I revisited that during lockdown and I did the same and started writing letters to people. The, um, the joys of Amazon Prime, <laughs> being able to send a, oh gosh, it's someone's birthday. I need to get a gift to them. I can't give it to them. How else can I deliver a present? Um, so it's just that there's so many things that were available out there to to help people stay in touch with each other. And I'm just hoping that everyone out there did did use that and didn't feel in such a bad place that they just couldn't think about what they could or couldn't do. Mm. But um, yeah, but yeah answering the question on what was our expectation our expectations perhaps naively then was you know we were only three or four weeks into it and there was the the very uh, vivid memories of being a patient and perhaps the concerns that actually the deeper you got into isolation and the longer you spent in it how difficult would it be to then get out of it and I know Sam's already referenced to having bad days and those thoughts do come into your head and you and you it's just being, it's re-identifying as the patient that you don't want to be anymore. That's, that was the key thing for me because reaching fortunate and very lucky to reach my five years remission. When you finally think, yes, it's all over, then all of a sudden COVID hits. And although you're not directly sick again and you haven't got cancer, you're still being identified as somebody that is vulnerable. And those words, vulnerable, patient, bad things will happen to you when you see that written on the letter that you get from the government which is pretty I I know it's generic but it's quite a scary letter to receive Mm. Um, and then it's what you do with that information I don't know how did you feel Sam when you when when you were given all of this and how are you feeling now (laughs) now we're Um, allowed to go back out into that big scary world that Covid's still out there yet we're all right to go out now apparently yeah 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 apparently I felt like that. I felt exactly the same because I'd gotten to a point where I, I felt as if I was going in the right direction. I, you know, I, I was overcoming this. It, you know, my life was getting back to normal. This year was going to be my year to reclaim my life back. Um, I'd started job hunting. I was rejigging things around, all of those kinds of things. And, uh, and then, like you say, COVID hit and completely ruined it. <laughs> it was just, okay, what do I do now kind of thing. What did and, you do? Well, <laughs> I've had to completely not reassess, but think very carefully about what I would like to do in the future because my future plans were working in hospitals <laughs> as a support worker. Um, so I've had to really sit down and think about that. And I do still want to do it, but I'm just not sure if it's, this is the time to do that. Um, a lot of things need to happen before I'll even contemplate going into a hospital again. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it did. It, I was okay for the first few weeks. I was fine. I felt good about it. I thought I've done this before. I can do this again. It's no problem. 
Um, and then as the weeks went on, it just it just spiraled out of control because I was kind of I found that I was actually cleaning so that I didn't think. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, like a distraction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah I was keeping myself super super busy so that I didn't have a chance to think about my circumstances. And I know, you know, I was having phone calls with people and I was really upbeat and I'm fine. You know, the, the usual thing, the thing that we used to do, Taya, when we were yeah, in hospital. The thing that I'm you fine. do. You, you, <laughs> you're helping get other people through your disease and your yeah. diagnosis. And it's the same when people ring you up and go, how are you coping shielding? And they've got that full on look on their face. So you, well, you yeah. can't see it, but you can hear it. But actually, yeah. you feel like you're reassuring them so that they're not worrying about you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I felt like that. I, I, and, I did go through a period where I really struggled. I really struggled. I had quite a bit of PTSD and I just really, really struggled because I just thought I, you know, I didn't like it for a start because I felt like I'd gone past that. I'd gone past that part. I've done that already. I've gone past it. I don't need to think about this anymore, but I'm being forced to stay at home. And this letter is telling me that I'm at risk. Yeah. So <laughs> that played with my mind massively. It's going um, back to that, having that prescribed life again, where yeah. we left that behind, but actually, no, somebody's giving you direction and instruction and you've got mm-hmm. to follow it for your safety. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I just, I did have a, quite a few moments where I just thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And my daughter moved house as well. My daughter lived um, a couple of doors down from me. So I'd see her every day through the window with two of my granddaughters. I'd see them. So I'd know that they were still there. And, um, and she moved and it was just so quiet and I just didn't see anyone. And I, I found that really difficult because I live on my own. I just found that really difficult that I didn't see anyone. Mm. And yeah, so it did, it played, played with my mind a little bit, but I got over it because then I ended up with a two year old. <laughs> Doesn't give me time to think. <laughs> so I'm curious about you said you had to come out of shielding. Did you see it as a decision to stop properly shielding? Because it just for a bit of context, it's interesting because we, we've spoken to a lot of patients across the whole of lockdown or whatever you might call mm. this period. Um, and they've said, oh, I still went out to exercise, but I was also shielding. And there was, there's, mm. people have interpreted guidance more individually than we expected. How how did you come to make that decision to to look after you? Uh, granddaughter like that I felt like I'd, I'd already gotten to the point where I felt like I, I know how to risk assess situations I I've been doing it for four years you become so, an expert yeah absolutely so I have been still going out for, for walks but at certain times of the day and you know things like that but I just, I just thought to myself, I can, I can actually do this. It's, this isn't going to impact. I can do this risk assessment. And I'm, I'm fairly sure my son had had a test and everything. So the only other person she was with was, with, was my son. So he'd had his test and he was all good. And, and I just thought, I can do this. I, I can manage this. This will be absolutely fine. He needs me as a mum when your child needs you you will do your, you'll move mountains to help your child. So he needed me. 
and it was a it was a very desperate situation at the time without having to go into it it was a very desperate situation at the time and and I just thought no I I can do it Hmm. I can do it and it has been perfectly fine and it's also made me reintegrate a lot easier than I think I would have done had I done it by myself Hmm. if I didn't have a reason to do it did you find so that am, quite empowering and being able to take back control over yeah. decisions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did because, you know, the letter said I had to do something yeah. and I'm not very good with being told what to do anyway on a normal day, <laughs> but it was kind of, you know, you've got to do this. And I'm, I'm, you know, and I'd spoken to my team and my team were just, you know, they said, to be honest, you're so far down the line we think that you'd probably have the same risk as any other normal person would have. So you can do with that what you will. You've been through all of this already. Um, you know how to risk assess and you know, you know all about germ management and all of that kind of stuff. So you can make that decision. And at first I, I thought, no, I need to stay at home because of the panic that was going on, I think, all over the place, I had to stop watching the news. I had to stop. I had to stop all of that because it was driving me crazy. So yeah, I just decided I was going to take back control and I'm glad that I did it. And I, I, but because I've known quite a few people that I've spoken to who are also shielding through, through this, they're terrified of going back out into the big wide world. Um, and I understand their fears. I completely understand where they're coming from but I just made that decision for myself and and I'm glad that I did because now I feel like my life is almost normal I'm balancing shielding with normal life so I spend most of my time at home and I'll go out a couple of times a week maybe mm. so you know it's just yes yeah, it's, it's just taking back that control I think that's something we're struggling with at Leukemia Care is to help people to make those individual decisions now well, from the 1st of August, just for context for anyone who's listening. Yeah. Um, shielded people will be asked well, asked to go back into, try to go back into, you know, normal, whatever normal ways of life are, but go to the, to the supermarket themselves, that sort of thing. Yeah. And... I found it interesting that Taya, I was listening back and Taya was saying, even in April, the longer you're in isolation, the harder it is to come out. I took that quote immediately because I thought that's exactly what we're struggling with right now. Yeah. So, I mean, Taya, do you have any advice to add to what Sam's already said on this topic? What advice would you give to someone who's struggling to get out? I think it's very right much now. it's a personal decision that somebody has to make and people can't be forced into going out. We were forced into lockdown. Um, but we can't force you out because that's it's it's become the way that that person has lived and it's become the place where they feel safe and when you are diagnosed and, and I'm sure Sam will support this but when you're diagnosed with cancer you don't feel safe no so if somebody has told you that you are at risk of of something terrible happening to you you want to stay as safe as possible because you don't want to have you don't want to live with that fear and everybody has been had that grain of fear that's been embedded in the back of their heads through their whatever their cancer story and what whichever leukemia and wherever you are in your remission um to then be told oh, actually you can go out again 
But then you do watch the news and you do see that there's these localized spikes and you do see that actually COVID is still out there. But what's the difference? It's still there and, and you're telling me I can go out. But what about all the risks that you've, you've written mm-hmm. to me and told me about? But I, I think it goes, it has to be a personal decision and you just have to just exercise vigilance and you just have to be careful. And as Sam said, it's about that, that risk assessment and understanding that you are keeping yourself as safe as possible. But you know what, if you go out and you get that freedom again, I think that it was the first time I went out, I was just like, I don't know, like this, like an animal being let out for the first time. I was scared <laughs> and my, my eyes well. on stalks. I'm like, don't breathe on me. Don't come near me. Go away. Um, but then between me and that bar of chocolate that I wanted was all these people. <laughs> I was very, very lucky. I was so lucky. I, I mean, it's entitled to the, the food parcels and I, I did receive a couple of them. And apart from the digestive biscuits, um, I gave the rest to a food bank um, because I was very lucky that a, that a friend did my shopping for me. And um, you, you feel that that's a responsibility because they're doing something for you. And I was yeah. desperate to get that independence back again because I think I talked about in the first one about that. When you're, when you're in hospital lockdown or hospital isolation, everything's taken away from you apart from, you know, even to the to personal hygiene, some of that has to be done for you in, in some circumstances. Um, but, you know, having the freedom to walk around the house and to just make yourself a drink, cook yourself some tea without a nurse standing over you because you might burn yourself or just do cut yourself or do something. But having that freedom to go and to go and buy the tea bags that you want or the dark chocolate with salt in that you want or just the treats, you know, the nice things. And that's the bit that I started struggling with was just having the freedom of choice. I had more choice than I had as a patient, but my choices were restricted. And in the mm-hmm. beginning that that was okay, but at the end, it was just, and that human interaction as well, even if it was just with a, the man that comes over to you and you tell them that your checkout's not working. You know, just, just anyone, just anybody that will talk to you. Yeah, I, I, I just, I like to communicate with people. Yeah. And I just think Same. you get to, you can, you can hide behind your Zoom camera and you can hide behind digital communication. But, and, and I think this goes for everybody, not just people that are shielding is everybody will have had that sense of feeling out, feeling like they're missing out on something and that one-to-one interaction and that hug, that hug that you want. And Sam's on her own. I live on my own. It's just, you know, the dog can sit on my knee, but it's not the same. It's just, you know, <laughs> I want to see a human. I want to hug off my friend or my family member, just, just to be able to actually just communicate through being able to hug someone. And I know that that, you know, that's not just, just us as so this leukemia community that's that's everybody has had to go through that but I think people have just got to you know the advice would be just be brave be brave one last time because yeah you will experience the benefits so long as you stay safe and just exercise vigilance mm-hmm. and don't do anything that's that scares you too much and just just gently just softly softly gently gently go out there mm-hmm. and just get your confidence back yeah, because we've done this before. This is yeah. this is something that we're good at. We yeah. know exactly. I mean, we're in a different position from people who have been newly diagnosed or are maybe in those first like first year, maybe. You know, we've we've gotten to a point where we're kind of pros now. Yeah. But it's you know, we're, we're pros, a different we've, we've lost our external scaffold though, because yeah. we haven't yeah. got the healthcare teams around us immediately. So, you know, we, we can't go and get that prophylactic blood test <laughs> when we think we need one. 
<laughs> no, I actually did have a, a, a doctor's appointment. I had the, the surgery ring me and say, you need to come in. Um, we've got some tests we've got to do. I mean, immediately I was like, I'm not going there. You're joking. <laughs> I'm not going to the surgery. You come to me. <laughs> <laughs> But I had to go to the surgery and I felt like a leper and a celebrity in the same breath because I was ushered in through a fire exit and met by a full, fully PPE nurse. It was the most bizarre experience of my life. Mm. And I've been through a fair few, but that was, that was really strange. Mm. But even now, I don't want to go to the hospital. No. That's just one step too far for me go into the hospital but I'll happily go to the supermarket but I think I think it's it's kind of you what people are more scared of I think at the moment is how other people are behaving mm-hmm. out and about um you know some people are taking absolutely no notice whatsoever of the social distancing guidelines and you do see them. They're everywhere. Oh, they're in, they're, they are in the supermarkets. If they want that yeah. pizza, they don't care if you're standing in the way. They'll uh, get it. Yeah. I, I mean, the amount of times I've tutted is unbelievable. <laughs> have <laughs> but, you just tutted or have you actually said something? Because I feel like I that's said, where you become non-British is when you stop tutting and you actually address the issue. <laughs> I have. I have said something. I have you're said. than I am. <laughs> I have said, what does two metres mean? you know it's for everybody yeah um but yeah I I just think that I mean we're further down the line and it is difficult for people to make that decision and I understand if you're if you're reading the newspapers and you're watching the news and you're listening to everybody else around you saying it's manic out there it's you know then that's going to feed your fear yeah massively is going to feed your fear but like you said Taya be brave that one last time yeah because it, it will make you feel better and yeah just go really really slowly at your own pace you are going to experience nerves I still experience nerves when I go out even without COVID I did so you know you just have to go at your own pace but try and do something yeah mm-hmm. and choose where you're going to go for your first visit so yeah don't choose somewhere that you know is going to be busy like prime time shopping in a busy supermarket no. yeah. don't do it just choose a small local shop where there are fewer fewer numbers of people or choose a park where there is open space uh choose choose something that doesn't doesn't aggravate all those demons that are sitting on your shoulders just just mm. choose something that's quiet and calm that you are in control of because you're not in control in a supermarket because as Sam said you know anybody will push past you and nobody knows what two meters means um and and, you know as of uh, is it Monday that it comes in that I mean why Monday why they didn't just do it from the beginning with the wearing of making the wearing of masks in shops that that hopefully should give people some confidence that actually it's going to be a bit more managed and a bit safer um but yeah just just choose somewhere where (laughs) where you you know where the exit is and you can get out and yeah. make it a, a safe controlled inv- well as safe as you can with the environment that you choose to go to mm. so is there anything specific either of you are looking forward to doing i know sammy sort of said you stopped shielding to look after your granddaughter but mm. beyond that once ever you're able to go out and about a bit more according to the guidance is there anything specific you guys really want to do 
or not really Still I want to go out it. for coffee with my friends cake, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah me too yeah, yeah going out I want for to some food to eat. I, I was very lucky with the job that I work in but I work in hospitals so that I absolutely don't want to go into a hospital but I'm fortunate that I can deliver training over zoom so I don't have to do that but what I do miss is just the social side of it and being able to meet with my work team because my, my work team are my friends as well yeah, and I yeah. really do I, the more and more I've seen them on zoom the more I just want to see them in person just interact uh, and just 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 do something just do that mm, definitely I'm thinking sort of longer term hopefully once you know we, we can hope that COVID will eventually not dictate everything we do in life if not altogether go away but is do you have any like longer term concerns about how this pandemic has affected blood cancer patients or hopes uh, how it might have hoped positively affected the shielded population if not blood cancer patients in general i i think that perhaps the public are now more aware um of of what shielding is and who the vulnerable are but i'm also going back to i think other things that i've spoken about with leukemia care on the whole survivorship side of cancer there's this whole new cohort of people who have survived covid and what's out there to support them. So whether they've been through cancer or, or anything, they have now been through a life-threatening condition. And it, had, it didn't begin with the words cancer. It was COVID instead. So I think there's a lot of support that cancer patients can get, or cancer survivors can give COVID survivors. Mm. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do. In our last podcast, Sam, you said you were hoping the mental health side of being isolated might be better recognized do you think you're seeing that yet or is that still something we need to to work on um I do think it still needs to be worked on only because I can only go from the response that I've had from people that I've spoken to about my shielding um and it's often you know how have you found shielding and then I've said, you know, it's been tough some days. Sometimes, some days it's been massively productive and I've felt superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, but other days have been really, really tough. And they'll always sort of look at you with that really strange look that we're so used to and say, well, at least you're not in hospital. Or, you know, and it's, it's really difficult then to explain that it's great that we're not in hospital and it's great that we're not dealing with the, you know, the illness that we had. It's great that we don't have all of that into, you know, intervention that we had. However, it does trigger PTSD. It does trigger all kinds of different things. And we have to deal with that. Some of us by ourselves, some of us haven't got a family around us to talk to, to give us a hug. You know, we don't live with family. So we're sat there with our feelings by ourselves, which which then take us back to the isolation room where we sat by ourselves with our feelings. So I do, I do think that, yeah, the the whole mental health side needs to be hugely recognized. I think maybe people do get it a little bit, but I don't think that they fully understand the impact. I think they, they think that, oh, well, we've done this for, for four months. And, you know, yes, and I know exactly how you felt. Well, they can't possibly 
Well, they've been given an end date. Their end date is the day yeah. that they're told they can go out again. When you're a cancer patient, you get your remission date, but you never get an end date no. because your consultant will never tell. If you ask that question, which you've, you know, you're never brave enough to ask it, but am I going to get cancer again? Is mm. it going to come back? Am I going to get a secondary because of the chemotherapy that I had? Mm. Or am I going to get another primary because of the treatment that I've had? What are my risks? Yeah, there is never an end date once you've had that diagnosis and you just have to choose how you live with that. Yeah. Whereas the people coming out of of COVID, whether they were, everybody's had to isolate to a certain degree. Their end date was the day that Boris said you could go out again. Yes. But that's not the case for cancer patients. No, it's not. And the whole, the, the shielding, when he said that the shielding could go out for their hours exercise with a person. Yeah, I, feel like a, I feel like a dog. <laughs> I was honestly, I, oh, I was incensed with rage that day because it, it coincided with the children going back to school and people allowed to go back to work. So there were more people around. And I just thought, this is madness. Mm. You know, when people, when ordinary people were going through this at the beginning, they had their hours exercise that they had to do by themselves. And it took a really long time before they could be with somebody else. But we were allowed to go out for an hour with somebody else straight away. And I just thought, this is insane. (laughs) This is is complete madness. So do you think some of the issues experienced by S.H.I.E.L.D. is like confusion at times. Has communication helped or, or hindered with that? From the government specifically, I think they've not been clear, have they? No, I think it's just been too ambiguous. There's been no, yeah. there's been no real clarity on what you should and shouldn't do. And, and I know that's very, very difficult because again, they're dealing with millions and millions of people who are all at different levels of risk, and they they have to have this this blanket message. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was never clear as to whether you were or you weren't. So I assumed I would, I, I generally believed I wouldn't be because I'd got to five years and to get that letter was quite a shock because I thought I'm five years in my re- in remission. My, my consultant says I've got a similar immunity to somebody that's never had cancer. You know? and, and as Sam said earlier, her team had said, um, you know, you, you're as at much risk as, as anybody else. But then to get the letter from, from the government, they go, actually, yes, you are. You are, you're, you're in the, you know, you tick these boxes, therefore you get this letter. Um, and I just think maybe, but it's very difficult because we're dealing with something that nobody's ever had to deal with before. Nobody knows what's going to happen until it happens. There's no data. And that's what I, I guess all these studies are about is just understanding the disease. But I mean, just the, the thought that the viruses can mutate as well and then it will change. It's, it's quite scary that, this is what it, it could happen again and it could be bigger it could be better we perhaps are more educated now on how we deal with it but you know viruses are really really clever things yeah definitely what what's what's the real threat to the whole of society not just the not just the cancer society yeah for everybody but we weren't Everyone. referred to quite often no. No. The, the, the guidance was coming out and I was I was listening to the guidance thinking he's going to say something about shielding in a minute something's going to and nothing happened and I thought no. we're forgotten what's yeah. what's going on and I understand that it's a difficult subject and it's a lot of people and you know 
lots of different things are going on within the shielding community, but we weren't referred to, which then made me feel like we were completely forgotten and we were just going to be inside forever. That's what it felt like at the time. (laughs) And then when he did start to give us a little bit of guidance, it was so ambiguous, like he said, Mm. which could be interpreted in any way, shape or form. Yeah, and it was only with thanks with leukemia care and and floodwise as well. Yeah, it was only having tools like the tools that you have on your website that actually you filtered through all the all the nonsense and you filtered through all the the bluff that you were being given by the government to actually find the the information that we needed to read and we needed yeah. to hear. I've never watched so many web participated in so many webinars. <laughs> I just, I, I don't do that, <laughs> but I, I just, I had to watch these things. I had to yeah. listen because I just thought this, I know that they have us, you know, we're, we're important to them. They know what we're going through and they're going to give us the best guidance. And like you, like you said, Taylor, you know, you cut through all of the nonsense. You just tell us what we need to know. And that's, that's, I took notice of what you guys said more than anybody else. Yeah, to so be I'm, care, so so <laughs> I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah, just touching more on sources of support, I guess, not just information, but what have you found useful in in this crazy time? It, was it friends and family that were particularly good? Mateo, work? Was it was it work that gave you something to focus on? You talked about keeping busy. What what was it that was just sort of crutch throughout the whole thing? Well, I just embarked on a few new projects and took people along with me. Um, I'd always, always made a promise to myself that I would do yoga. <laughs> and it would be a New Year's resolution. I'd maybe do one session and for 10 minutes and go, no, that's boring. Um, so as a, a group of us at work started our VP yoga club in the mornings, uh, which we still do. We've carried it on. So every day, Monday to Friday, we log in and we do half an hour of yoga to start the day. And it's just such a, there's a few, there's five tops, maybe two. I have to do it every day because it's my login. So I, whether, whether people show <laughs> up or not, then once I've downloaded the app and shared screens, oh, well, I'm there, so I might as well do it. So we've now progressed from beginners one to intermediate one, and we can all touch our toes, which is Wow. <laughs> And then we, um, uh, the same app that we use, which was a great app, uh, we also started doing, I've always wanted to do ballet. I I had no aspirations of being able to wear blocks and do pirouettes and things like that. But I just quite like the idea and the discipline of doing that exercise. So we have have bar classes three times a week and yoga every, every day on the weekday. But it's brilliant and we've loved it. We've it's a great way. It's we're up in the morning, it gets you motivated. It's just before work starts. So when the alarm goes off, you've got a group of great people just to spend half an hour or an hour with before the day starts, and then you just get on with it. So it's part of my uh, my whole therapy for learning that bruises were safe. Um I uh, I went along to my local tip back in January and there was a massive sign that just said pole dancing. I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Cool. <laughs> the, t- the tip. I'm advertising <laughs> <laughs> that, the tip. <laughs> it was, uh, there was a big banner there that was just advertising because it was part of, an, of, of a, like a business park. So I, uh, oh, it was a mobile, there was a mobile number on there. And I, I rang the number and this, this lady picked the phone up. And I just, I just, my first question was, 
will I get bruises when I do this? And she said, yes. Yes, my darling, you will. And I went, great, sign me up. Um, that was, that, I was just determined that was my thing because my leukemia was so, that, that was it. I was covered from head to toe. Mm-hmm. I looked like a Ribena berry. I was purple. So for the last five years, every time I get a bruise, I go, where's that come from? How have I done it? Am I sick? Do I need a blood test? No, 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 no. And then, you know, I will keep questioning it until it's gone. And then I get another one and I'm on that cycle all the time. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting living like that. So I need to do something about this. I'm not very good at sitting in a room with a counsellor because I won't talk. I'll just smile my way through it and she'll think that I'm fine Um, or he. So I just thought, what what can I do? So I I signed up and I went to a class in January and I I loved it. It was really hard. It took me back to my roots of gymnastics because my mum was a gym coach and it wasn't about being a stripper and it's not about stealing from the <laughs> husband. It's about empowering your body to be able to do something. You get strong mentally, you get strong physically, you get strong. So I, I started having these lessons and then lockdown hit. And I was just, it was just like somebody had taken something away from me because I'd found something that made me feel happy. It, and it gave me me back and gave me my confidence back. My instructor, a lady called Sally Brady, who is absolutely phenomenal for anybody that's not got confidence. Um, I rang her up and I just said, what, what can I do? And she said, well, you can buy a pole. <laughs> Set it up in the living room. <laughs> I live in a tiny, tiny house. So I, I discovered this web page and I bought one, but it was for outside. So it came with a stage. So I set it up in my back garden. I had a tiny space. It didn't fit. So for the next three weekends, my project was excavating the, a bit of land that I've got out the back. So for three weeks, I just dug. I dug and I dug. And then I got a load of bark delivered and I made like like a playground. <laughs> <laughs> I put up my stage on my pole and my neighbor went, is that what I think it is? I said, yep. <laughs> Then the whole way through lockdown, I've had um, Zoom private lessons twice a week. And now I can go upside down. I can do the splits. I can do all sorts of things. And That's I, amazing. I have, had, I have had bruises. I have been battered. There are all sorts of noises that come over my garden fence from me going, ow, that hurt. <laughs> and my instructor just says, just get on with it. Stop moaning. And she's brilliant. She's absolutely, I, I can't thank her enough for what she's done for me over these last four months. And when you say who's or where have you had the support from, it's been from, um, from Liberty Pole Academy, who have been absolute legends, all of them. And I had absolutely no idea until I got an email a couple of weeks ago uh, from a, a company called Expert, who are a global companies, to say that I've been nominated for, for an award. <laughs> Wow! So I'm now down, I am now, thanks to them nominating me, I'm now in the final in the final stages of being the most inspirational student. So I'm super proud. Oh, that's fantastic, Taya. So you cool. should be really proud. I'm not scared of bruises because I get them all the time. <laughs> I I hear you on that. I'm I'm watching a bruise as we speak. Yeah, and <laughs> on my leg. Mine now, I know the mechanism of injury was because I was hanging onto a metal pole by just my knees. For women, for men, if you've got, because I, I generally did think that pole dance or pole fitness was for sort of skinny 20 year olds, mm. but it's not. It's for everybody. And um, what I love is that actually you need to be in small amounts of clothing, otherwise, you'll fall off the pole. 
And it just gives you, uh, my body type has changed so much in the last four months. I've got muscles that I never even knew I had um, because I've conditioned them and trained them and I'm strong and I'm strong. I'm way stronger emotionally than I've ever been because I just enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, so my everybody needs to take up pole dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> well, as I, yeah. <laughs> well I've put on like about a stone since I've been in lockdown so I might even think about Me that too. <laughs> Do it. it's, it's, it's brilliant I'll tell you, you can come to a class near me I'll, I'll treat you to a class and you come and have a go why not <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> that's, I mean that's incredible I've heard some interesting stories and things people have taken up during lockdown but that is my favorite I like that one yeah <laughs> Sam, that's do you amazing. Have any sources of support you wanted to? Well, I can't top that. Mine's so boring <laughs> compared to that. Oh, that's so boring. See, what I've been doing is reading stories to my grandchildren through the window. Ah, oh, but that's lovely. <laughs> that's still important. Um, and having to, you know, you kind of, you, you have to be a little bit more inventive when you're doing that because you're sort of, you're trying to keep their interest. They're only two, so it's yeah. yeah yeah you have to keep their interests but you know she'd sit and doodle outside my window with her chalks and I'd sit and uh and read her a story through the window so that was lovely I, w- I wouldn't be able to to function on any given day regardless of covid or not without my children they are phenomenal individuals and you know they they're always there if they can be for me so I can't you know I can't fault them but they've been they've been amazing through through lockdown they really really have they they get it because they've seen what's happened before and they know exactly how it's going to impact on me so they've done everything that they can to be there and my friends have been amazing as well it's given you that sense of purpose hasn't it yeah yeah absolutely because I'm still a mum even if I'm in lockdown like I was still a mum even though I had cancer you know so I've you know I've, I've still wanted to to do those things and and help in whichever way I can but I've just had to be more inventive which you know it's not a bad thing it's, it's, it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing and I've had lovely zoom conversations with my friends or facetimes with my friends or you know some some of my friends will come over for coffee and they'll be on one side of the window and I'll be on the other side of the window and they'll bring cake and we'll have coffee and cake but it just won't be in the normal surroundings but yeah, yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't cope without without them they've been amazing it's that it's having that creativity isn't it to be able to think about okay we're in a really rubbish situation but how can we make it better yeah and I'm hoping that that's a life skill that many many people have learned over the last four months whether they've been shielding or not shielding it's it's something hopefully people will carry on yeah and strengthen their bonds with people as well Yeah. yeah I agree definitely I think that's a lovely note to end the podcast on. And I have to say, ladies, my cheeks are aching. I've been smiling and laughing that much. <laughs> I love talking to you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Thank and you for having me. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much for having us. And um, we'll be back very soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk or call our helpline 08088 010444. See you next month.